love each other a lot. Just by all the fellowship. I love, I love being a part of a church where we love each other. We're, we're in unity one with another. Amen. Good to have everyone here this morning. We're, we're having a great time. The 8.30 service we had a great time this morning. I really believe today you're going you're gonna to really hear something from God today. I believe God's going to speak to you. How many believe that today? Amen. Before we get into the message, just a few announcements I want to, to run over with you. Uh, next Sunday is Father's Day. All right. Next Sunday is Father's Day. Come on, let's give a big round of applause to all the fathers. Come on, we got some great dads in this house. Next, next Sunday is Father's Day. In my office right now, we, we have a brand new Yeti cool that one lucky dad is going to walk away with next Sunday. So um, I just want to give you an opportunity and let you know, hey, invite, invite family. Invite, if, you, if your dad isn't, isn't here this morning, invite your dad to church. We actually have a social share. If you have your phone, you can just scan that code, and that will, that will uh, populate a social share that you can share on your social media feeds. And that, that social share is available all week long. You can grab it also in the app. And uh, we use it throughout the week. Invite dads that you know. Invite your own dad. If you're a dad, invite your kids. We're going to have a great time in the house of the Lord next week. And like I said, one lucky dad uh, is going to have several different opportunities to win uh, that Yeti cooler. And it's going to be, we're going to have a good time in the process. So next Sunday, Father's Day. The week after that is actually Baptism Sunday. We're making our way towards Freedom Sunday, July 4th. But, but baptisms are going to happen on the 25th of this month. And uh, so if you've not been baptized since you become a believer, uh, this is an opportunity for you to do that. And uh, I would encourage you, baptism is something that is so special for a believer. It's something that Jesus did. And when Jesus did uh, get baptized, God said, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I believe that God says the same, th same thing to each and every one of us every time that we go down under that water and come back up and we show outwardly what's already transpired on the inside. And uh, so if you have not been baptized, it's something... I really would encourage you to do. You can sign up right there at the, at the guest kiosk on your way out or on your way in and uh, let them know you want to get baptized and we'll get it done on the 25th of this month. When you walked in today, you got a flyer like this on your chair and uh, it's, it's, it's just reminding you that the month of July is the month that we do our series called At the Movies and what we do is we base our sermons around movie titles so we have real talk. Using, using movies, movie titles. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, that's all throughout the month of July. And all, on the back, you'll notice there's a, a kickoff to that is July 2nd, which Sunday night, July 2nd, to kick off our uh, 4th of July celebration, we're actually going to have a family movie night outside in the amphitheater. We're going to set up a big LED wall, and uh, we're going to show a, a feature film that we're not going to disclose right now because we don't want to get in trouble. And, uh, but we're going to have a feature film that will be currently in the movie, in the theater, now, but we're going to be showing it for free across the street. Don't tell anybody that, but that's what we're doing, okay? And uh, so we're going to go ahead and invite your family, invite friends. Uh, it's a great family-friendly event. Uh, word on the street is, is there's going to be free snacks this year. So that's cool. Also, also word on the street is that Ray's Amazing Pizza is going to be making some pizza that night. Let's go. Amazing, and so uh, we're gonna have a great time uh, as we kick off that, that that movie series. All right. And so if you haven't been around here, if maybe this is your first time here, uh, or you haven't been around this month or missed a couple of services, we've really had a good time. We've been in the middle of a series called I Need Dough, and we spelled that K-N-E-A-D. And I think all of us would recognize we're talking about money, but it's kind of a spin on that because we believe that, that, that God gives us the ability to gain wealth. And so we've been talking a lot about 
about that. It's been a really excellent series, not only on Sunday mornings, uh, but we've also had Wednesday evenings has just been phenomenal. And uh, the first Wednesday we had Jordan, my son Jordan shared, and also Nemi uh, began to share just a tremendous, tremendous messages on working hard and putting God first. And we actually work, we need our dough, and that's how God, God gives it to us. Uh, last Wednesday, uh, Joe Menchaca spoke on the tithe and the blessing as a result of the tithe. And then we also had Bryn Grable share uh, on, on opportunities that God gives us uh, to make wealth. And, it's, and they're literally all around us. It really was a testimony of he and Cindy's journey and how God's been able to bless them through some really kind of crazy ideas that God put in their heart. And, and I want to tell you something. If you, haven't, you weren't able to be a part of those Wednesday night services, those are available on YouTube. And I'm telling you, great messages. I, I believe they'll be a tremendous help to you. I encourage you to, to check those out. And so this morning, this is the last week we're going to be talking about finances, and uh, so so this morning, and then also on Wednesday night, Luis Campos is going to be sharing, and uh, I know it's going to be really, really a fantastic time. And so this morning, I'm, I've entitled this message: "Cash is King." Cash is King, and um, today what we're going to what we're going to do is we're going to lean into a conversation around money, and I want you to remember this: that God is never trying to take something from you. He's only trying to get something to you. And I know, I recognize that sometimes it can be a little awkward talking about money at church. And I noticed that even in the 8.30, we read the first text and I could feel some resistance. And so I'm gonna lean in good this morning, all right? I'm leaning in good on the 10 o'clock and uh, we're, we, this, this message might be a little aggressive and I might have to go kind of quick because I do have a lot of notes. But I believe if you'll just zero in just for a few moments, I believe God will speak to you. I believe God will help you. That's what we're all about here. I want God to help you uh, with money. I need dough. Last sermon of the series, Cash is King. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. We'll read a story together and we'll get into it. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, A certain man by the name of Ananias, along with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And he, he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also was aware of it. And they brought a certain part or percentage and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan fueled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained yours, was it not your own? And after you sold it, was not the money in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to me and to men, but you've lied to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, breathed his last, a great fear came upon all those who heard and saw these things, and some young men came, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Crazy. Wouldn't that be a nuts if that happened here this morning? How crazy would that be? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Verse 7, now it was about three hours later, his wife showed up, had no, no idea what took place, and Peter said to her, tell me how much you sold the land for, and she said, this much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are now at the door and they're going to carry you out. And immediately she fell down at, at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, found her dead, carried her out and buried her next to her husband. And then a great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. How many of you would be a little bit fearful about going to that church if you were part of it? Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about money in the church. And, and I think, I, I, as I said earlier, I, I've been so thrilled with how our church has responded to this theme. 
We're talking about money in the church. And I think many times when you're talking about finances and you're talking about in the church, sometimes that subject can be a bit awkward, especially for the guy who's speaking. All right, it's awkward. I, I, used to, I used to tell Pastor Carl, there's no way I'm ever gonna speak on money. That is your job. I'm, ne I'm never gonna do that because, because sometimes it can be awkward for the pastor because it seems a little bit self-serving when you're talking about finances and, and the church. And I think all of us have seen and we've heard about pastors and we've heard about churches that have lied regarding finances. They've manipulated people through money and through giving. How many have seen that or heard about that? I have seen pastors, I have seen churches use their position to control people with regards to money, but I've also seen the opposite of that, where you have people in the church that have money, people that in the church that are wealthy, they try to use their money to control and manipulate the pastor and the church. So I've seen both. I think there's dysfunction on both sides, and that's why a conversation like what we're talking about this month can be a little bit, a little bit awkward because, because I think when you boil it all down, anytime you use money or anything to control and manipulate people, what that actually is is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. Anytime money is used to manipulate and control people and control their finances, witchcraft is involved. And I, I just want to say this right out, right out the gate this morning. We believe and we, we hold dear to this fact. Manipulation is wrong. Manipulation is wrong. And I think church has gotten a bad rap because there's been manipulation involved when it comes to giving. And so now what happens as a result is there's a lack of trust between people in the church and, and, and finances of the church. And so you'll hear people say all the time, man, the church is just after your money. How many have heard that before? You, you'll hear people say things like, like I, I don't trust the church with my money. I just can't trust the church with my money. And so I just want to address that and say, first of all, that money doesn't belong to you. It all belongs to the Lord. I remember we talked about that last week. You're, you're meant to be a steward of the money, so the money isn't yours to begin with. And you're telling me you trust the church with your soul, but can't trust the church with your money? That's crazy. How, how many think that sounds a little bit weird? Like, I'll trust, I'll trust the church with my soul. I just, I just can't trust, trust the church with my money. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sure it doesn't make sense to you. And if it doesn't make sense, it probably is signaling, it's a red flag, that, that possibly what we're dealing with is a spirit, is a spirit. And so I just want to say this. At Elevate Ministries, we don't manipulate. We will not man manipulate. You know, you, if you attend this church, you recognize we, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't push people for money. We don't pass offering busket, buckets. We didn't even talk about giving this morning at all in, in receiving an offering. Instead, what we want to do, and that's what this message is all about, is we want to teach you to hear from God and obey what he says. Simply that. We believe that God will speak to people. He'll tell them what to do and when to do it. And, we, and so we'll not get in the middle of that. We'll not manipulate. We'll trust God. And then we'll, as, a, as, as the staff of this church, we'll steward his church. But I think, as a, as a, by and large, I think we would all recognize is there has been dysfunction in the church surrounding money. And I think, I think we see that in the teachings of some churches. So you'll go to some churches, and they will teach that you're more spiritual if you're poor. How many have heard teaching like that? You're more spiritual if you're poor. And I would say, well, maybe it's not that you're more spiritual. Maybe it's just you're a bad steward, and that's why you're poor. 
Right? And some, teach, some churches will teach the opposite. Some churches will teach that you're more spiritual if you're wealthy. And they'll, 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 they'll kind of phrase it around this thing called the prosperity gospel. How many have heard of that before? Any time you put anything in front of the gospel, it becomes a false gospel. Did you hear that? The gospel is the good news. And the good news is that you, you can't buy for yourself salvation. You can't earn salvation. You, you, aren't, you aren't good enough and you don't deserve it. But because of the grace and mercy of God, Jesus paid the ultimate price going to the cross for our sins and we can have salvation through his sacrifice. That's the good news. Anything ad additional to that is not the gospel. All right? And so what happens is, is you'll see churches and pastors take scripture out of context to try to manipulate people into, into giving more money or, or giving more money to the church and, 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 and try to control giving. And we'll never do that. You'll never have that here. What we want to do at Elevate Ministry is build trust so we can take the kingdom of God Yeah, to the next level. We want to take the kingdom of God together. We want to build the kingdom together. And so we want to build trust. That's what this series is all about. And so what does your Bible say about money? See, that's the question you got to ask yourself. What does the Bible actually say? Because I think a lot of people don't know. They just kind of listen to what other people said. I'm not asking you what you heard the Bible said. I'm not asking you what you think the Bible says regarding your money. What does the Bible actually say? Because 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 3.3 says, don't be given to drunkenness. Don't be given over uh, to violence, but be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. So I think anytime you do a deep dive in, in the Bible about money, what you'll find out is that money is not good and money is not evil. It, it's, it's neither. The love of money is what takes money and makes it evil. And so when you read your Bible, you'll notice, and Pastor Carl mentioned it, that the Bible refers to money almost more than any other subject. Talks about money all the time. It compares money to different parts of our lives. And, and so there's literally hundreds of scriptures that you can look about money and wealth and generosity. You, you, if you're looking through scripture, you'll find dozens of scriptures that are relating to greediness. But what you'll also notice is that there's only two chapters in the entire Bible, and these two chapters, you'll find a word called mammon. Somebody say mammon. Mammon is not a word that we use a lot in our, in our vocabulary, but when you're talking about money in the church, it's a word that's used a lot. So mammon gets a lot of airtime, but literally you'll only find the word four times in the Bible. You'll find it in Luke chapter 16 three times, and then you'll find that word repeated in the same context in Matthew chapter 6. And so what I want to do is I want to look at what the Bible says about mammon, and, and I, I want to I talk about it today because it's a very important part of our finances. Luke 16 verse 9, this is Jesus talking, and he says this. He says, I say to you, make friends. Somebody say make friends. Make friends for yourselves through or by unrighteous, there's that word, mammon, so that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least will be faithful in what is much, and he who is unjust in what is least will be unjust with much. Therefore, if you're not faithful in the unrighteous mammon, there it is again, 
Who will give you true riches? Verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in what belongs to another man, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus says this, last time you'll see it, you cannot serve God and mammon. And you'll find that exact same statement in Matthew chapter six. You cannot serve both God and mammon. It's the only phrase in the Bible like that. It's the only time you're gonna have Jesus compare serving God to serving something else. And what Jesus is saying is you can't do it. Many have tried, all have failed. You can't serve two gods. You, there's not enough room in your heart for two gods. You, can't serve, you cannot serve God and mammon. Cash cannot be king in your life if God is king. It's not possible. And so if Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon, I think we need to know what mammon is. We gotta look at what mammon is. So what is mammon? I think maybe if you're looking in your, your Bible today and you're reading from a certain translation, a lot of times what you'll see is, is, is the translators will interchange the word money with mammon. And so maybe we were reading today and, and where Jesus said mammon, the word is replaced with money. And, and, and I, I, I wanna tell you today, I don't think money and mammon are the same thing. I think mammon is so much deeper than just dollars and cents. And so we, as you begin to look at it, what you'll recognize is that the word mammon is an Aramaic word, and it, and it, and it comes from the, the root of it means riches, riches. And so it's a word mammon means riches. But, but if you look deeper, mammon was actually also the name of an Assyrian false god. A pagan god was named mammon. And so when Jesus is saying you can't serve God and mammon, he was actually referring to, I believe, a false god that they would have been aware of. Are you tracking with me today? I believe he was referring to when he said mammon, you can't serve God and mammon, he was referring to a false god that they knew because the Assyrians had a god called mammon and he was the god of riches. And when you trace the roots of this pagan god, it'll actually take you all the way to Babylon. Where, where did Babylon come from? Babylon, you just kind of break it apart. You've got the word Babel in there, right? And you have the word on in there, which reminds me of our politicians, namely our president and vice president who seem to just babble on all the time, all right? <laughs> And so the root of Babel, what does Babel mean? Babel means confusion. It means confusion. So you get the term Babylon is because someone who's talking and just babbling on, they're confused. The word on actually comes from the, 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 the end of that word, Babel on. On actually comes means sown or planted. And so Babylon means sown in confusion. Where does that go back to? Well, that goes back to the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel was a result of the system that was in place. It was the culture of these people that they believed they didn't need God. And you can see it in Genesis 11. They said, let's make for ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. In other words, they were saying, we'll get to heaven without God. We don't need God. We're not gonna make his name known. We're gonna make our name known. It reminds me of a lot of people who consider, them a, consider themselves a self-made man. This is what the spirit of mammon is. It's a spirit, a spirit that says, if I have money, I don't need God. If I have riches, 
If cash is king, if it's flowing in my life, then I don't need God. It's a spirit that's in direct opposition to the spirit of God. It's an arrogant, prideful spirit that tries to replace God. And that's why Jesus says you can't serve both. You're, you're, you, you can't serve both God and mammon, which tells me that mammon is looking for servants. Mammon is looking for servants. Mammon wants to rule your life. It wants to rule in your life. It wants you to look to it instead of to God. Mammon wants to, wants to take God's place in your life, and mammon promises only what God can give. What does mammon promise? Mammon promises an identity. Mammon promises you security. It promises you significance. It promises you happiness. It promises you joy. But Jesus makes the statement, you can't serve both. Mammon, mammon promises what only God can provide. And yet so many people cash as king in their lives. And I know some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I could take the week off. I, could, I don't struggle with mammon. I, I could take the week off. This week, Pastor Adam, go get him. Go get him. I, 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 don't, I don't struggle with, with mammon at all. I, I don't serve mammon, do I? <laughs> Mammon is a relentless spirit that all of us deal with. It's coming after each and every one of us. It's a, it's a spirit that we all have to contend with. And so today, I want to give you some of the ways that you can see mammon at work in your life. And one of the ways is mammon says that money will fix it. It's amazing how sneaky mammon is. Mammon says, well, money will fix it. And, and so for me personally, and even with regards to this church and, and in ministry, how many know it takes money to do, to do ministry? So money is an actual thing that we, we do have to deal with. But, but Jesus says you can't serve both. But what I've noticed is sometimes I can see how I pray. I can see mammon at work and how I pray. Maybe you can see it yourself. Because a lot of times we'll pray, God, I need a miracle or I need this amount of money. If I have this amount of money, my problem goes away. I either need you to do a miracle, God, or I need this amount of money. And Jesus says, you can't serve God or mammon. But a lot of times, mammon makes its way into our prayer life. Do you notice that? We start thinking, God, if I just had this, this amount of money, God, if I could just get this raise, just, God, if this deal would just go through, God, I, need, I either need a miracle or I need some money. Let me tell you something. God's answer to your problem is never money. If money can fix it, it isn't a problem. Did you hear that today? It's not really a problem if money can take care of it. It's not really a problem at all. So never pray for money because God's answer is never money. No one ever said, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus turned around and hand him some money. Never happened. Because God's answer is never money. Money's never the answer. Mammon will tell you that you'll be happy if you just had more. You'll be happy if you just had more. Mammon partners with greed and says enough is never enough. Have you ever, ever had something on your radar and you thought to yourself, if I just had that, then I'd be happy. I remember being a 16-year-old and I thought to myself, if I could just have that 1982 dark brown Toyota Corolla with 130,000 miles on it, if I could just own that vehicle, then I'd be happy. 
I'm talking about a vehicle that had like a, 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 a don't, drink, don't drink and drive sticker on it that the sun had, 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 had burned into the paint. So when I took the sticker off, it still said, don't drink and drive. I, I thought to myself, if I just had that car, then I'd be happy. But then I got the car and I wanted something else. Maybe, maybe for you, you said, man, if I could just have a spouse, like if I just could get married, then I'll be happy. And so then you get married and, and you think, well, now that I have my spouse, if I just could get the house, I got the spouse, now I need the house, then I'd be happy. And, you, and all of a sudden you get the house and you're thinking, all right, now I've got the spouse and the house. If we just had some kids to go in the house, then I'll be happy. And so then you get the kids, you fill the house, and then you say, man, if I could just get the kids out of the house, then I'd be happy. <laughs> Greed partners with mammon and says enough is never enough. It's the spirit that's operating. Mammon convinces you that you'll be generous when you have more. And we begin to think, well, once I get that raise, well, then I'll begin to be generous with my finances. Mammon is at work when all of a sudden you start to associate your value. Your confidence comes on your net worth. And you begin to think, well, if I can just reach this, this place in my life, well, then I'll be, I'll be happy. Ma Mammon comes in and causes you to be envious because someone else gets blessed. Like on the outside, you're happy for him. Praise God. You're so excited for him. But on the inside, you're like. Right? Mammon, mammon comes, and you know mammon's at work when you're, when you're worrying obsessively over finances. You're constantly afraid that you won't have enough to, 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 to do what you need to do. Mammon always makes you fearful of money. You're always afraid. And Jesus warns about this in his parable of the seed. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns is like someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. It's mammon. People that str struggle with mammon call their stuff fruit. And the reason they call their stuff fruit is because they don't have any spiritual fruit. Let me, let me just put you on notice today. The only fruit that God offers is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's it. But you got people driving up in their new car to church on a Sunday, and they're saying, they're saying, look at the blessing of God on my life. Look at the fruit of my life. Someone buys a house, and they say, this is, this is the faithfulness of God blessing my life. Look at the fruit in my life. God's been so good. Mammon says enough is never enough. People that struggle with mammon are afraid of not having enough before what they have is gone. You're afraid of not having enough when you have enough right now. You can see this ex exact thing happen in 1 Kings 17, where God sends the prophet Elijah to go and speak to a widow. And God's reason for that is he was trying to, to, to take care of the widow. And so Elijah shows up and he tells the widow, I want you to make me a cake. And the woman says this, and Mammon is speaking. And you can see Mammon was, has been at work in her mind for a long time. And she says, she says, I can't do that because all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And Mammon says to her, even though I have enough for today, she says, we're going to eat this and then we're going to die. What's that? That's Mammon talking. 
And she couldn't see. She was so blind. Mammon had blinded her eyes so much that she couldn't see that standing right in front of her was God's provision for her life. That God had sent the prophet, but she couldn't see with spiritual eyes because she was so gripped by the spirit of fear brought on by mammon that she was afraid of not having enough, even though she had enough for today. Mammon says this. Mammon says, man, I'd really be able to serve God if, if I just had more money. I'd really be able, if I got that raise, if I got more time off, if I had this, if this deal went through, then I'd really be able to do something for God. And what you're really saying is, is I don't really serve God right now. You, you know you struggle with mammon if you don't tithe. I'm just going to let that rest for a minute. You know you struggle with mammon if you don't tithe. There's a story about a woman who comes to Jesus to worship Jesus, and she brings with her this alabaster box, and this box is full of very expensive perfume. And her plan was, I'm gonna worship Jesus, I'm gonna break open this anointing oil, and I'm gonna pour it at the Lord's feet. And Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, says, wait a second, hold on, don't do that. What a waste that would be because think what we could do with that, that very expensive anointing oil. We could, we could sell that and we could take that money and we could give it to the poor. And actually, he had no desire to give it to the poor. He actually wanted to help himself. And we know this because in John 12, the Bible says that, that Judas didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a keeper of the money bag and he used to help himself to what was put into it. So here's a man that pretended to be generous. He, he put on the talk of a generous person. He pretended to be a steward, actually a follower of Jesus, but in all actuality, he was a thief. He was a thief. And not only did he steal from the bag from time to time, but we know that later on, he would actually betray Jesus for 600 bucks. That's what 300, that's what, excuse me, that's what 30 pieces of silver would have been worth in, in current time and, time and age. 30 pieces of silver would have been equivalent to about 600 bucks. It's impossible for us to try to imagine that. How could someone, especially a follower of Jesus, betray him, sell him over to the enemy to be crucified? How could he do that for 600 bucks? And we're thinking, man, I could never do something like that. But you rob from God all the time. You steal from God all the time by withholding your tithe. Malachi 3 says, you robbed me. And, and they say, well, how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. It's the same principle of stealing from the bag or betraying your savior or withholding your tithe. And so I want you to think about this. What would cause you to steal from God? Because it's impossible for us to even put that together in our minds. What would cause someone to withhold something that belongs to God? I'll tell you what it is. It's a demonic spirit called mammon. And how do you know it's a spirit, Adam? I'll tell you how. Because it talks. Spirits have voices and money talks all the time. How many have ever heard money talk to you? How many have ever heard your money talk to you? It, it talks to you from your billfold. It talks to you from your pocket. It's yelling at you from your purse. Ever heard money talk to you? Every time, usually about the time you, you decide, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give to the Lord his tithe. All of a sudden, you start hearing voices. You start hearing voices, on, and, and that voice is saying, well, how, 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 don't do that. Don't give me away. You need me for lunch today. 
Don't give me away. You'll, you won't be able to buy that purse you want. Don't give me away. How are you going to go on that vacation this summer? Don't give me away. It's weird how, how that voice is so loud when you try to give to God, but when you're at the mall, it's totally silent. You know what I'm talking about? When you're, when, you're, when you're going through Amazon, the voice says nothing. You're just loading up your cart, thing after thing, the voice says nothing. When you're on Expedia and you're like, all right, I'm taking this flight to this destination. We're going to stay at this hotel. The voice doesn't say a word. It's like, yeah, go ahead. Do whatever you want. Ever notice that, that nobody at your work, no coworker ever talks to you about how you spend your money until you tell them you gave it to the church? Like you could go gamble away your whole life savings and people will chuckle at you. <laughs> but the moment you say, yeah, I gave some money to help some children in Africa. I gave some money for a mission. All of a sudden they're like, why would you do that? Are you an idiot? How stupid could you be? Why? Because spirits have voices. And so whenever you start getting close to obedience, mammon starts talking. So what if a, a demonic spirit called mammon is using money to control you? I want to tell you something today. That voice that talks to you all the time has been talking to everyone for all time. For all time. How do you know? I'll tell you how. Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says that God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth. He's talking to Adam and Eve. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish. The, the birds every living creature that moves on the face of the ground. And then God said, look at it. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And so check this out. Chapter one, right out the gate, God says, you have everything. Everything that is mine, I'm giving to you. I'm making you stewards. I own this and I'm entrusting it to you. Chapter two. Then God took the man, put him in the garden, and says, I want you to work it and take care of it. And God commanded the man, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You're free to do it. But you must not eat from this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you eat it, you will die. So chapter one, God says, I'm giving you this. I'm giving, I'm making you stewards. I'm entrusting you with all of this. And then in chapter two, he says, you can have it all except for this one thing. This is holy to me. We're setting this apart for me. I want you to refrain from this. I want you to separate your, from yourselves this one tree. And then in Genesis 3, mammon shows up. And the Bible says that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And look what Eve said. No, God said we can eat from all the trees of the garden except for one. And if we do it, we will die. And the serpent said, you will not certainly die because God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. You'll know good from evil. And so when the woman saw the fruit, that it was good and pleasing, desirable for gaining wisdom, she ate it. So chapter one, God says, giving you everything. Chapter two, he says, I want you to set apart for me. This is not yours, it's mine. This belongs to me. And then in chapter three, Mammon shows up. And Mammon says, did God really say that? I mean, I want you to think about this. This is crazy. They've got access to every tree, every fruit in the entire earth. There's two of them. 
But mammon comes in and says, you need more. Mammon says you gotta have more, you deserve more, you'd be happy if you just had more. And the enemy lied to them and they partnered with the lie and then look what happens next. The Bible says that they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Up until this point, these guys were perfectly happy. They were naked and happy. They were covered by the presence of God. They didn't need anything else. And then as soon as they partner with mammon, now they're sewing fig leaves together. They're making clothes for themselves. Why? Because, because the presence of God wasn't enough. They had to have more. That's why God says you can't serve. Jesus said you can't serve both God and mammon. Mammon always wants it all. It wants your worship, and that's why Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other. Why could Jesus say this? Because he already met Mammon. You said he did? Yeah, he did. He did. He was, he was, he was, he was in Matthew chapter 4. Mammon comes to tempt Jesus. And it was the third temptation where Satan takes Jesus up into a high mountain. And the Bible says he showed him all the kingdoms of this world and all of their splendor. And Mammon says, all of this I can give to you. If you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me. And look, notice what he says. The Bible says to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Why did he say that? Because you can't serve God and mammon. You know, mammon says, I'll give you all this stuff. Look at all these, th these things I can give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus understood, Satan, it's not yours to give. Mammon always promises what it can't Give. Jesus said, everything you're offering me, Satan, it already belongs to my Father. How many remember we talked about last week? It all belongs to God. Everything belongs to him. And so you got to understand this. Satan is after your worship. Satan is after your worship. Think about it. Why did Judas stop the woman from break, try, to, try to stop the woman from breaking that alabaster box upon Jesus? What was Satan trying to do? He was trying to stop that woman's worship. You think about the children of Israel. They're in Egypt. Moses says, let my people go. There's been several plagues. And, and, and the Pharaoh says, all right, we'll let them go. They just have to leave all of their stuff here. Why did he want all their stuff? Because he, the reason he wanted their stuff is not because he needed it. The reason he wanted their stuff is because he didn't want them to worship God. Satan was trying to stop their worship. Mammon wants to stop your worship. And so he puts greed inside of you so that you'll not be able to fully worship God. I want you to notice in 2 Timothy, the Bible talks about, about, the Bible warns about in the last days that people will be lovers of money. Look at what it says. It says, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. I was talking to Carrie this week. It's pretty interesting. She was telling me that, that she went to Whole Foods and, and they had this new you know, paying system, if you've been to Whole Foods anytime recently, where, where all of us, you walk up to the, to the register and there's like this picture of a palm and all you gotta do is kind of wave your palm in, in, front of the, in front of this thing and it reads your palm and it charges your account. I don't know if it, what that does to you, but uh, the Bible says that in Revelations 13 that, that, that all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, they're gonna receive a mark on their, their hands or their foreheads so they're not allowed to buy or sell unless they take that mark. 
And so it kind of makes it seem like the Antichrist is not going to use the threat of nuclear war, the threat of, of, of weapons, of mass destruction, all these things to try to control people. What is, what is the Antichrist going to use? It's going to use mammon. The fear of money. The Antichrist will use money and your fear of it to rule you. And the truth is, most of us don't need an Antichrist. Because you're afraid of mammon before the Antichrist even arrives. So in our text, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. And, and if you just know the, the, the background of this story, it's kind of an amazing time in the, in the history of the church. It's right at the beginning of, of the launch of the church. And, and, and what you're seeing is that the church is growing rapidly. There's an outpouring of the Spirit. Many people are getting saved. There's discipleship taking place. And what you see as a result of all this, there's an excitement, there's revival in the air. And, and people are stepping up to the plate. Like people in the church are saying, look, we're going to need finances if we're going to take the world for Jesus. And so what you're seeing is all of a sudden there's, there's these families and groups of people that are sowing generously. Like they're selling their positions, possessions and they're giving it all to the church. I mean, it's just an amazing outpouring that happens. And it's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And, and so, so while some people are giving extremely generously, how I many know not everybody's able to do that? And that's okay. I mean, that's what, that's what God's stirring some people to do. But what's happening is, is there's other people that are in the church. They want to appear like that. They want to appear like they've got it like that. Ananias and Sapphira were them. They wanted to appear like they were crazily, crazy generous. They wanted to appear a certain way. There was, there was the spirit of mammon was on them. And it was deceiving them to be hypocritical. And it was deceiving them to pretend like they were generous when actually they weren't. It was deceiving them to just go through the motions. So they lied about what they gave and they didn't have to. There was no point to do that. And Peter says it. He's like, guys, didn't it belong to you before you sold it? And, and once you sold it, wasn't the money yours and you could do whatever you wanted with it? The land belonged to you. Why, why would you lie about it? And the reason is, is because they wanted others to think they were better or more generous than they actually were. And I love what Peter says. He says, he says, he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart that you would lie to the Holy Spirit? You see, Satan has the opportunity to fill your heart through mammon when mammon is the God you love the most. This is why Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one and you're going to love the other. You'll, you'll despise the one, be loyal to, uh, to the other. Why? Because there's no room in your heart for two gods. Mammon fills your heart when it's not full of the things of God. Is anybody here today? I want you to listen to this. Mammon cannot fill your heart when God has your whole life. Mammon cannot control you when God is in control. And Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And so today, what I want to, I want to do at the end of this message is I want to ask the question, how do we defeat mammon? If mammon is a spirit that we're all going to have to contend with, how do we defeat it in our lives? And I, I say we defeat it by not giving it one inch. But I want to give you some practical advice that comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. And we're going to have to go to when he talked about mammon in Luke 16 to find out. Are you ready to do it? I need you to look at this. Okay, I need everyone, I need you to focus in right now. If you missed everything else, focus in right here. It's going to help you today. Jesus said this. I say to you, make friends. Somebody say make friends. Make friends. 
He says, I want you to make friends. How do you do this? He says, I want you to make friends for yourselves by or through unrighteous mammon. So that when you fail, they, who, who's they? What's he talking about? He's talking about those friends. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, when I first read this text, when I first read this, and I'm talking about a long time ago, when I was, when I was, when I was fairly young, I totally misunderstood what Jesus was talking about right here. All right? I actually thought that this was Jesus kind of promoting the whole pay it forward thing. You know where you, you buy someone's coffee and they, you know, that's behind you, that, that, that whole kind of pay it forward. That's kind of what I thought he was saying. Like do favors for other people and then when you fail or you get yourself in trouble, they're gonna repay you. They're gonna come to your help. They're gonna come to your aid. That's kind of what I felt like Jesus was saying. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is actually saying is, I want you to take unrighteous mammon. How many of, have, how many of you have unrighteous mammon today? We all have money, right? Money is, is, is neither good nor evil. It's just, it's just money, money. He says, I want you to take money and I want you to redeem it. And the way that you redeem money, the way you make it righteous, the way you make it holy is through the tithe. And so I want you to take the money that otherwise Satan would use for evil and I want you to take the money, redeem it and use it for the kingdom of God. And because you do this, as a result of this, you're gonna make friends. How are you gonna make friends? You're gonna make friends because people are gonna get saved. How do I know he's talking about that? Because, because the people that get saved because of your giving are gonna welcome you to your eternal home, which will be heaven. He says, when you, look at it, he says, when you die, when you fail, what's he talking about? When you croak, when you fail, those friends, they, the people that got saved because you gave, they're gonna welcome you. In other words, last week we received a missions offering for Ghana. If you gave in that offering, there's a very good chance that you're gonna to get to heaven one day and a Ghanaian is gonna walk up to you. And he's gonna say, do you remember that Sunday when you put money in that offering basket to give towards missions? Well today, because of your gift, I am currently saved. I am now your friend. And we're gonna be friends for all eternity because, of the, because you sowed into the kingdom. Are you seeing that today? Are you seeing that today? It's true riches is what Jesus is talking about. He says you're gonna trade true, you're gonna trade unrighteous mammon for true riches. True riches aren't anything that you can buy on this planet. True riches are what you're surrounded by in this room, is souls. That's what true riches are all about. And, and so some of you today are thinking, oh, well, well, Adam, you know, like if, if, if uh, you're thinking that, 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 that you know, I, I get all this and I'd really be leaning in, I'd really be taking notes if I had more unrighteous mammon. Like, I have so little unrighteous mammon that literally, I mean, there's really not much that could happen as a result of my, uh, of my but look what Jesus said next. He says, he that's faithful in least will also be faithful in much. And he who's unjust in least will also be unjust in much. Basically, if you have a little and, and fail to tithe, you'll never have much. So here's the thing, we all start out with a little. I remember the first income I ever received was the result of, a, of a, an evangelist coming through and shaming my parents into giving me an allowance. And listen, it was nothing to brag about. It was five bucks. I got a $5 allowance, all right? And some of you are like, that's much better than I got. But, but I got a $5 allowance and I was in high school, all right? That's, that's kind of how it was. And I remember $5. Anybody know what a tithe is on five bucks? A tithe on $5 is 50 cents. It's literally two quarters. And I, it was embarrassing to me. 
You know what I mean? Like to put in, to put, to put my two quarters in an envelope, you know, and Adam Friedrich, you know, tie it 50 cents. I mean, that was like, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm like 16 years old. I mean, 50 cents. Like this is, this is embarrassing. And I remember one service, this is a true story. You can ask my dad. You don't believe me. True story. Like my dad in the middle of service. Now we're at a time and my dad did everything at church. He literally let the worship team keep going on the stage. It was the, we received offerings at the time. The band would play while everybody was giving and they would play and play. My dad was, would be up there and he'd start the message after that. He literally stopped the service. I mean, let the band keep playing and, 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 and looked at me in the, in the pew and he goes like this. And I'm like, oh dang, what did I do? You know, like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. And he took me into the little foyer we had in the church and he says, you haven't been given your tithe. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, is the church that hard up at 50 cents is what you're after? Like, seriously, are you kidding me? I remember thinking like, like it's embarrassing for me. Like I at least want to give a dollar, at least it's paper. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, but if I give it, if I give a dollar, man, I got four bucks left. Like, come on. My dad was trying to teach me a, a principle that if you're not faithful in little, you'll never have much. You'll never have much. Look at verse 11. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, I want you to look at this. Who will commit to you the, tr the, the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what, in, in what is another man's, somebody say another man's. Everybody say another man's. Who will give you what's your own? In other words, if you're not faithful in what belongs to somebody else, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the tithe belongs to God. And I believe this is what Jesus was referring to right here. He says, if you're not faithful with what belongs to God already, how in the world am I going to trust you? How can, how can I trust? If you're not faithful with what belongs to another man, who's going to give you your own? If you're not faithful with 10%, how in the world am I going to be able to give you 90? Do you see that? And I think what Jesus is doing in this, in this conversation is he's giving us the key ingredient to defeating the spirit of mammon in our lives. And he's saying this, he's saying, if you'll take that money that belongs to God, and if you'll use it not for your own stuff, but if you'll take that 10%, you'll take what belongs to God and you'll use it for the kingdom. If you'll put God first, if you'll make that tithe a part of your worship, we, we, we defeat mammon by not giving it an inch. So if we, if we defeat mammon and we, and we make, make giving our tithe part of our worship, mammon has no place to go. It, it has no control because you said, no, I'm putting God first. Mammon, you can have no control. I'm putting cash will not be king in my life. That's what you're saying. And, and, and when you do that, you defeat that spirit that says, no, you got to keep it for yourself. What are you going to do without it? I want you to look at what happened when Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. The Bible says in, in verse 12, it says that great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, I think it's interesting because... When we're talking about mammon, what you'll hear a lot is, is what mammon does is it causes you to fear money. But what's interesting is that when mammon was defeated, another fear came in. But this time it wasn't a fear of money. It was actually a fear of God. It was a greater fear. Are you with me today? They unsat the principality of mammon by doing what? By lifting up a higher power a higher authority. They unsat mammon by lifting up not, 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 not another God, but the highest authority. 
We, we, we say, man, and you have no place. You are not going to rule. I will not serve you. I will only serve God and him only. And so a fear of God came into the church. Let me tell you what a fear of God says. The fear of the Lord says, I know him too well. I know him too well. He'll provide. I know him too well. He's too good. I know him too well. He's pleased with my generosity. He'll never let me down. I know him too well. He'll, he'll be pleased by my kindness. He'll be pleased by my generosity. I know him too well. A fear of the Lord says, I know, I know him too well. He always gives back, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into my lap. I know him too well that when I fear him and when I honor him, he loves the birds, but he loves me more. If he takes care of them, he's going to take care of me. Listen, when you're full of the fear of God, there's no room in your heart for mammon. There's no room in your heart for mammon. And I'm believing, I'm believing right now, this is what I'm believing for, that our entire congregation would break today the hold of mammon on your life. I'm believing that right in this place. And, I, I, and you're saying, well, how, how do I do that? Listen, I think it starts with Thanksgiving. I think it starts with everybody in this room today. I'm hoping right now that everybody, you'd say, you know what? I'm so grateful for that. I'm hoping that, that people in this room would stand up from their chair even right now and say, God, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. Maybe you'd come and you'd stand. Maybe you'd come and you'd sit. Maybe you'd come and you'd kneel, but don't be quiet. Mammon is always loud. We're gonna get louder than mammon today. Come on, get out of your chair and come to this altar and let's overcome this spirit through Thanksgiving. Come on. Is anybody thankful today? Come on, is anybody thankful in this room? Maybe today you'd lift your hands in this room and say, thank God for the bed I slept in last night. God, thank you, God, for the roof you put over my head. Lord, thank you for the transportation, God, that allowed me to get to church this morning. Thank you for the meal I'm going to eat later today. Come on, thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for all the provision, Lord, you've given in my lifetime. I'm, I'm looking for more people to say, I'm not allowing mammon. Come on, get out of your chair. Let's thank the Lord together today. Come on, get out of We're coming to the altar. We're breaking this spirit of mammon over our lives. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank him right now. Thank him for protecting you. Come on, get loud today. Come on, pray a little bit, Lord. Thank you for protecting me. God, thank you for covering me. I want you to remember the time he healed your body. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, thank you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for healing me, God. Think, think about the time when you were destitute and you had nothing. Thank him, thank him for when he delivered your mind. How many were, were under all kinds of mind bows and struggles and God set you free? Come on, thank him for the time you were heartbroken and he restored your life. Come on, how many remember that? Come on, how many remember that? Come on, how many remember that? Remember when you were addicted. Remember when he showed up, no one else did. Remember that time you were in worship and God wrapped his loving arms around you and he felt his presence. I want you to remember that right now. Come on, thank him for it. Come on, can we thank him for a moment all over this room? Come on, lift your hands, say thank you, Jesus. Get loud today. Come on, talk to the Lord today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful for you, God. Lord, where would I be without you today, Jesus? Come on, worship him with thanksgiving today. Can you do that all over this place? Come on, worship him. 
worship it. Now together, let's break the spirit of mammon in this room. Come on, let's break the hold it has. If you've partnered with mammon in any way, just begin to repent of it right now. Come on, all over this room. If, you, if you've partnered with mammon, you're worried over finances. If you've partnered with mammon, and you're thinking, I don't have enough. I, I'll never have enough. If you've partnered with mammon and you, 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 you put your self-worth based on your income level, if you've partnered with mammon and don't give, you don't tithe, if you've partnered with mammon in any way, come on, repent right now and say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I turn away from it. God, I repent and turn away from it. If, if you've partnered with mammon and you're just constantly thinking about stuff that you can buy and places you can go and things that you need to have, if you've partnered with that and you're not content with where you are right now, repent right now. Come on, repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I, I repent. I, I repent today. I'm choosing this day who my master is. I'm choosing this day who I will serve. I'm going to serve the Lord. Come on. I repent for partnering with mammon. I repent for partnering with greed. I'll never let mammon determine my worship again. I'll never let mammon determine how I pray again. Come on. I repent for not trusting you. Come on. Say it right now. God, I'm sorry for not trusting you. God, I recognize you're Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider, God. I look to you, not to money. I look to you. You're my God. You're the one I serve. Come on. Come on right now. Just begin to say, Lord, I worship you. God, I worship you, God. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. I fear you and you alone, God. In Jesus' name. Come on, right now. Come on. I worship you, Lord. Come on, say it. this for a second. So Ananias wrapped up, buried out in front of the church. Sapphira wrapped up, buried out in front of the church. So in other words, the spirit of mammon killed, gone, died. The spirit of mammon is gone. The very next thing that happens is in verse 12. So the fear of the Lord came upon them. The fear of the Lord greater than the fear of mammon. And the very next thing that happens in verse 12, the Bible says that many signs and wonders were done among the people. I wonder if there's a reason. I wonder if there's a correlation there. That once mammon lost its hold, once this church and the people of this church said, you know what? Mammon is not gonna be the one I serve. It's God and God alone. I have a fear of God that's greater than a fear of mammon. And once they made that choice, the very next thing 
is that many signs and wonders were done among the people. You see, a lot of times we're praying, we're asking God about money, thinking money's gonna somehow solve our problems. Listen, money's will never solve your problems. Every time there was a need in scripture, just look at it. God never gave them money. He always did some sort of creative, unbelievable miracle. It was water coming from a rock. It was manna coming from heaven. I mean, just, just go back through scripture time and time and time again. Listen, God doesn't answer problems with money. Money is not the answer. What we need more than anything is the Spirit of God. And listen, if we can break mammon, what we'll see is we'll see the miraculous. We'll see the miraculous. There's so many people that need healings, need healings in their body. Could it be that as we break the spirit of mammon in this congregation, in this room, we begin to break that spirit, that now a, new, a greater spirit comes and shows up? Could it be that when we do that in our lives, listen, some of you right now, you have in your bank account what belongs to the Lord, and you know it. You know it. Some of you have already spent what belongs to the Lord. Listen, this is not, this is not to bring guilt. What this, is to, this, what this is to help you get free. God's trying to get something to you. He's not trying to take from you. But I want you right now, if that's you, and you have withheld the tithe, you've, you've stolen from God, you've withhold the tithe from him, I'm challenging you right now, break that spirit right now. Break that spirit right now. Break that spirit. I repent, God. I'm doing what's right with what belongs to you. It's not mine. It belongs to you. I'm making it right. And Lord, I thank you, God, that as we break this spirit and we worship you and we put you first, Lord, we thank you in advance for the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that we'll witness because we worship you with everything. Come on, we just sing it one more time. I worship you. And I worship you. Let's worship him. And I worship you. You're the one, God. Because you're the one I love. You're the one I choose. And I worship you. Come on. As an anthem to the Lord, I worship you, God. Sing
become victorious in this area for the first time in your life. What an exciting thing that that is. How many appreciate that message today? It's like he said, that's not an easy message, but my gosh, I'll tell you what, it fell on some listening ears this morning. I believe that God's doing something in us today. Come on, come on. Church isn't always about encouragement. Sometimes it's about getting down deep to the root of some things and killing some things off. Man, I love that message. What a great time together this morning. Amen. If, that, if that's you today, maybe you overcame mammon for the first time and you, you really feel free this morning, tell somebody, tell them, man, I got free of that today. That feels so much better today. God is in, in the business of healing and delivering, and that's what we're all about here at Elevate Ministries. Aren't you glad today? Come on, how good is our God? We love you as you go from this place. Make sure to remember next week is Father's Day. Let's get all the fathers in the house next week. We love you. Have a great week. God bless you.